Welcome, friends, to the Friends That Carry On podcast, where we dive deeper in our trips, unpack tips, and everything in between. The one who holds the torch key is your host. Get ready for your ears to go on a trip with your favorite group of friends. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Friends That Carry On. I am your tchotchke holder, Tony, uh, which means I am narrating today's uh, episode. And my tchotchke is very unique, I think. It's called a Navigo card, which is my travel card for Paris. So somehow, 20 episodes into this, we have not talked about Paris, and today we are. So today we have with us Mr. Terry, Eric, Jim Scott, and Mr. Reed, you out there? Uh, Yep, I'm out here in California. Yeah, and Jim, and of course me, Tony. So this is our twentieth episode—a little celebratory fireworks. Twentieth <laughs> episode. All right, there we go. I had to get that in there. Sorry. Yeah. So we're going to talk about Paris today. I think for several of us, it's if not the favorite city, it's definitely in the top three. Uh, I can say for myself, it is absolutely my favorite city in the world. Now, saying that, haven't been to every city in the world. But, Terry? It's, been, it's my favorite city of the cities I've been to. <laughs> right, what about you, Jim? It's my favorite city in the world. Yep. Plain like and simple. No, I, I don't have a favorite. It's a great city. I've got nothing negative to say about it, but I don't have a... I, I can't say any city is my favorite city because... I don't know, it's just me. <laughs> I'll, I'll piggyback on that because when people ask me, what's your favorite place you've been? I always say... I don't think I've been to my favorite place yet. <laughs> right. Well, I so would, it is a favorite of mine. I will I tell you this. So, for me, we'll get into some of the specifics, but I think just, again, 20th episode, right. favorite city, hands down. So, when it's been nine years ago when I took my first trip to, to Europe, and when Terry was helping organize this trip, I was like, there's three cities that I definitely want to go to. Paris, Venice, and Dubrovnik. Now, most people say, Dubrovnik, what the hell? How did you get with that? But anyway, <laughs> but Paris was it's on another there. another podcast. Paris was on there. And, you know, it's one of those iconic cities. You know, if you've never been to Europe, I mean, it's one of those things that everybody feels like they should do. I mean, there's a handful of, we talked about a little while ago, the, I mean, there's certain things that you have to see in Paris, right? I mean, it, they're just very iconic. The Eiffel Tower, mm-hmm. the Louvre, the Elysees. There's so many things, but it was on my list, and it was one of those things I'll never forget when we were planning it. Thinking, I'm either gonna love being over here, or I'm gonna be like, okay, I'm done. I don't need to go back. And it just completely captured me. And it's the lifestyle, the very casual lifestyle, the cafe lifestyle, hanging out, drinking your cafes with your intermittent wines and people watching and just people watching and just the hustle bustle of the city i i just find mesmerizing so for me there's not even a close second so what about you t uh i don't think there's a close second for me (laughs) (laughs) however i had never wanted to go to paris Uh, jimmy reed out in california there he tried to get me to go with him for years in paris and I was happy being here in Shepherdstown, and I didn't need to see the world. But 
So finally in January of 2006, after many years of uh, trying, I finally agreed to go. And I met Jim. We actually met up in London, spent three days in London, and then three days in Paris. So your first trip was three days in Paris? Your first three days in London, three days in Paris. Okay, your first uh, trip to Paris was three days. Yeah, Jim being on the West Coast, uh, I'd be traveling alone for my first international journey. As everyone should. Yeah, <laughs> But I wanted to do uh, London first. I, you know, not being a traveler at the time, I felt comfortable where, where they speak the language I speak. Uh, and I did not know it, it was that easy to travel without knowing any languages. It's so easy to do anywhere right. in the world. In fact, I enjoy not knowing the language now, but back in the day, that wasn't the case. And Jimmy ran me ragged for three days. <laughs> uh, and we've talked about it, and every time we go back to Paris almost, we talk about that first trip and how he wanted me to see everything, everything. because that might be my one and only <laughs> In three days. And, 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 and having said that, how many times have you been there? I think 15 to <laughs> uh, But since 2006, I think it's been 15 times. 15 times. If, if I'd known you were going to keep coming back, I wouldn't have run you so ragged. It was <laughs> like, I could have rested a couple of days. <laughs> Thank you, Jim. <laughs> but I, I had blisters on my feet. Because <laughs> you wore bad shoes, I'm sure. Uh, you probably. <laughs> and, but he just ran me ragged. And one thing I always suggest to people now don't see everything in Paris. You know, take that bucket list of things, cut it in half, and just don't rush through because rushing through, seeing everything, you don't see everything, if you know what I mean. Absolutely. That's one of the things Forgot. that I, I, I just You're not in Russia, you're in, Paris. You're in France. <laughs> I, just from a travel advice that kind of leads into one of the things that uh, we talked about before. So when we first started traveling, it was multiple cities all the time. So like that first trip, it was Venice, Paris, Amsterdam, where I think now we still may do it because of connections and things like that, but it's more about we're going to go back. We know that. So why spend so much time in an airplane or in an airport or on a train going from city to city? We're in this location. There is a billion things to see, you know, and experiences to have. So relax. Enjoy yourself where you're at, and you don't need to go, you know, from place to place. Just like when you're in the city, you don't need to see everything in three days. Yeah. What you said, Terry, you said, um, what was it? What? How many trips did it take before you actually went into the Eiffel Tower? Uh, I think it took me three trips to Paris before I even got on top of the Eiffel Tower. Yeah. It was my third. Yeah, it was my third. Talk. <laughs> you just never get around to. You don't need to. <laughs> I enjoy now if I do go down in that part of town, watching people looking at the Eiffel Tower for the first time. Mm -hmm. I took so many pictures of people and not one of the Eiffel Tower the last trip down that area because it's their lifetime dream to be in Paris and see an Eiffel. And just the joy on their faces was just tremendous. Well, I will tell you one of my favorite pictures. So, and you probably don't remember because I think it was your third trip by the time we went on our first trip in 2010. So... We get there and we jump on the metro, right? We, we, we come out and Terry's like, we're gonna walk down the street and as soon as you turn the block, we're, you're gonna see the tower. And I turned and I bet you between 
that half a block walk, I took 65 <laughs> pictures. It, it probably took us 20 minutes to walk a half a block Your because I was just totally enthralled. I mean, because Eiffel Tower, I mean, especially if you haven't been there enough, it's it is Paris, yeah. right? So it's just it's very iconic. It was like, and it was my first trip, so I was just completely mesmerized by it. Yeah. So Jim Reed, three yes. days Paris. What do you recommend to people out there? What do you do in three days? You know, what do you touch? What What do you touch on? I'm sorry. What do you What are your recommendations uh, as far as what you can get in in three days? You can really see a neighborhood. You know, you, you get yourself a nice apartment, someplace in a neighborhood that has things you want to see. And then just sort of stay there. You don't have to wander quite as far. You can still go afield if you want to, but you know, otherwise you can see, you know, two or three museums perhaps or older buildings right in that arrondissement. You can uh, find your local cafe and go there for morning coffee every morning, and then your evening uh, wine or two after it's all done. But again, seeing the neighborhood rather than the city sort of brings you back to the old Paris when it used to be a, a series of villages. And, and that's where I really find it charming. Mm -hmm. I would agree with you. Uh, so for, I don't think a lot of people realize that who, who haven't been there. So again, that's kind of one of the things we want to help out with is everybody knows the basics or, you know, what they see on, you know, the TV and everything. But the Arondisans, most people don't realize that the city is broken down into those villages. And, and, and Jim, you, I didn't realize, I guess, how far back that went, but I know they were original villages. I don't know how that came about, but e names. each one is very unique. They're, well, they're yeah. numbered. They're numbered, okay. They're numbered, uh, and it all starts down at uh, Ile de Cité. And it goes like a snail around, you know, a snail yeah. unwinding itself. Uh, I think it's a mm. clockwise circular pattern that expands out, and then until you get to the, the very northern part of uh, Montmartre, uh, then goes on around, but... It is kind of funny that each arrondissement is so unique, and they have their own special quirks. They're spectacular places, but you know, for American cities, it's very similar. Like you get to New York. I mean, Greenwich right. Village, mm -hmm. Upper East Side, Lower East Side, you know, Soho. We all have that, but when you think about Paris, nobody thinks. Well, it's Paris. Uh, and each each arrondissement has their own government. Mm -hmm. They have their own city hall, their own mayor. Yeah. I guess it would be. Uh, there's a mayor. But you think about it. And I didn't know that. I didn't either. Well, there's a mayor of Paris, the true mayor of Paris, right? Mm -hmm. And then mm -hmm. arrondissement has its own. They're yeah. kind of like sub mayors. So recommendations <laughs> on where to stay. What would you What do you tell people? Oh my you go to Paris. Where do the Where do we stay? <laughs> What, what, what do you reckon? You know, what, all of them. Any kind. I, I think it's their own personal taste. Okay. Uh, and what they want to see. Like Jim says, you stay in one area and, and try to keep it local. But mm -hmm. if you want to see uh, the churches and the museums, stay in the fourth or fifth. Uh, if you want to go up to Montmartre, and, like Tony and I did that one year, uh, stay up there in the 18th. But. Mm -hmm. uh, but Decide what you want to see and take it from there is what I do. Mm -hmm. The one thing I take away from Paris, the one little, it's a little quirky thing. It's the croissants. <laughs> I mean, right, you laugh when I say that. I know, but, but you laugh real. for a reason because 
I've never had how anything about, like it. How I've about never... all pastries across the oh board? Oh my gosh, man. The baguettes. I, oh, the yes. Everything. The 90 cent baguettes. Right. That's you the can. first thing you'll realize that uh, every real Parisian, first thing they do in the morning is they buy a couple baguettes and stick them in their purse and, or their backpack. And just all day long, you'll see them walking along the street, picking off their baguette, eating a little bit here and there. And most people say, really? That sounds like a prison diet. You're eating bread. But it's but not. It's the best bread you've ever had in the world. <laughs> you have a true right. French baguette. Right. Well, it's well, just crazy. As an American, you want to change your mindset when you go over there. It, for breakfast, you don't want a buffet or a sit-down meal. Right. You, you want to go to an outdoor cafe, have an espresso, have a, a croissant. Yeah. And uh, that's all you need to watch people go by. Or an eclair. Yeah. <laughs> well, it takes one hour to do it. And right. that's true, though. And again, we talked about this many times when we travel. You have to acclimate to what is normal where you're visiting. And that was something I, I, you know, once you're there for a while, you realize that breakfast is not a big deal in Paris. There's no such thing really as getting eggs. If you want eggs for breakfast, it's called an American breakfast. It's basically I mean, pastry and coffee. Yeah. And I mean, if the restaurant you stop at says American breakfast outside, go somewhere else. Yes. <laughs> right. Not that's in a rude way. way. But that's the case, though. I mean, that's the truth. I mean, it, breakfast there is I grab a baguette uh-huh. and I walk down the street eating it out of the bag, and I may or may not have a coffee with me. Usually it's a bottle of water, right? Because you had a cafe while you were standing there waiting to pick up your baguette type of thing. Speaking of standing while you had a cafe, standing at the bar, cafe would cost half of what it will be if you sit sit down at the same restaurant. Good point. Good point. uh, Yeah, if you want to feel like a local, you stand Mm -hmm. and drink your little cafe, or or if you want to spend an hour, have a sit and you can drink that little espresso for an hour. I think it's the same way in Rome. They charge you more for sitting. Than I bet it's throughout. We were talking about yeah, that right, in right. Prague. Remember the difference mm-hmm. between having a beer staying at the bar right. versus, you know, sitting at a table unless you sit there long enough and you get invited to sit at the table, you know. And that's good advice because an average American that's never been there is not going to know that. You right. Know, you're not going to know It's definitely a different price. But, I mean, that's, that's an important thing as far as just acclimating, right, to, acclimating. to where you're at. Yeah. and. They just don't do big breakfast. No. But once you have that baguette, and I'll, I'll be, when you talk about Eclair, mm-hmm. I think it was like the third day. <laughs> I had the, I had baguettes every morning. And that chocolate Eclair, we went to the same one because we were staying up at Montmartre. And I don't remember which laundry that was, but we went into that and. I was like, that chocolate eclair is calling my name. Right. <laughs> and I took that first bite, and I swear to you, I had goosebumps. <laughs> it was so damn good. Yeah. And I was like, what is in this? Because <laughs> we have a fellow travel friend uh, by the name of Lee. He yeah. didn't want to come. He's like Terry, didn't want to come to Paris, uh, was convinced the food would be overrated. And I think maybe about our second or third day there, he was just sort of complaining on the street. He looked at me and said, they don't have any damn eclairs in this town. So I, you know, the next half block, saw a patisserie, popped right in, came out with a uh, eclair and said, damn it, Lee, eat this. And the look on his face is exactly what you're describing, uh, Tony. It was like he'd had sex for the very first time. (laughs) It's a very creepy look. It's like those Snickers commercials. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. on, on a side note, 
Our friend Lee, who hates Paris, has been there five times. <laughs> yeah, 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 I hate the French people. He's been back five times. Yeah. But, Jimmy, you were saying, I'll be honest. So I had that eclair that day. The next day, because, again, we went, you know, it's a routine. We went down to the same place. We went down our two flights of steps, walked into the same place every morning. I ordered two. No. <laughs> I walked out of there I'm like, I got, one, I got two hands. <laughs> I'm walking down the Don't street holding two eclairs. It's like, this is terrible. But, oh, my God, it was so good. I, I think that's the first train tip, trip we took in Paris. It might have been the trip we took down to Bayou. I don't remember, but I bought a baguette, and it was you know, 18 inches, 20 inch baguette. I thought, oh, I'll eat it for lunch. Hell, it didn't last a train ride. No. I ended up, once you start picking on it, well, before it, you know it, you're through the baguette. And you're like, well, you bought one baguette, and there was three of us. <laughs> What's that? Perfect. You bought one baguette, and there was three of us. So yes, I was right. like, hey, can I have a little, <laughs> little nosh on your baguette? Yeah. <laughs> it's just, yeah, the pay, needless to say, the we, I mean, we've got good pastry every, everywhere, but it really is some of the best in the world, and we advise everyone to try something. But, uh, yeah, well, I mean, and I agree with all that with the pastries. One of the things, and I, maybe I just never had them right or whatever, but, uh, and, and this was the last time I was there, and it was Jim Reed, my wife, and uh, there's probably one or two other people. We're just sort of meandering through the town, taking our time, going through past some churches and all. And we came up, and I don't know if it was the – Oh, that was a mustard shop that was the oldest mustard shop or whatever. But right around the corner from it was a macaroon shop. Oh. And I was like, well, okay, I'll try. I mean, I was kind of, not that I was skeptical. I assumed they'd be good, but man, they were fantastic. Yeah, you can't buy those. You can't buy those here. That, well, that's what I'd, I'd only had American ones. It's like, oh, they're, they're little cookies. Yeah, they're like, yeah, they're like little dry cardboard things with a little bit of flavor. No, they, there. they take them seriously. Oh, they, they were incredible. So, and by the way, they, they just don't transport well back. Let's be clear. <laughs> Mine never make it back. I never <laughs> well, well, I had a check bag one time, and I got back. I'm like, after two days, like, ah, they're just not the same. Yeah, but they're not the same. You're not on. You're on. You're not on uh, Parisian soil. So. And I will say this. So one of the things I was last trip over, we were talking to a guy who was. It was actually at a cafe. Who was a a baker, mm-hmm. right? And and he was just talking about the quality. I should say quality just the mineral content of the water mm-hmm. and then the butter. Mm-hmm. So the butter there is completely different mm-hmm. than it is here. You can tell that on the croissant. And it's I so different. So yeah. when you talk about the layers and then just the mineral content of the water, it's that's why you can't recreate it here because you don't have the same content. Right. But regardless, it's still phenomenal, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's like New York bagels. You, know, you just don't yep. find them anywhere else. Same thing, the water and uh, you know the things they put into it from there. Yep, absolutely. So – you know, we're trying to talk about Paris from a little bit of a different perspective. We, we, you know, we know all the stuff that everybody knows. Transportation, I think, is a big thing. When you get, we we're talking about, there's 20 arrondissements, each unique, but how easy it is to get from the airports. So you have two airports, two primary airports, Charles de Gaulle and Orly. How easy it is to get into city center or to any of the arrondissements. You have the RER. And then the Metro. And then, Jim, I thought it was great for you to really expand on your knowledge because obviously you have an ebook out mm-hmm. on the whole, you know, Metro situation. So you care to share a little bit of your knowledge on that? Plug, yeah. plug, plug. <laughs> <laughs> sure. That's one of the things that I fell in love with. The very first time that I went to Paris, the, just the whole public transportation, which is just wonderfully set up. I ended up doing a sabbatical where I spent 
30 days, rented an apartment in Paris, and basically stopped at every single Paris metro station during those 30 days. There were about 350 of them at that time. And, you know, I got out at each one and I sort of looked around. I saw what was there. And so the focus of the book is, you know, stop this Paris metro station. And it's a five-minute walk or seven-minute walk to, to see this museum or to find this cemetery or to see street art over here. The Paris metro is so much more complex packed so much more dense than like uh, the london underground where you might come out and then still have to walk 20 minutes to get to where you're going there's a paris metro stop like five minutes from almost anywhere you're dropped in the middle of the city and it just makes it easy to sort of plan your trips and make your way around and so like i said that i really love just the efficiency of the metro system but then also the fact that you could get a uh, you mentioned your navigo card you can get a card that's good for a week. It costs about 25 euros. And it's good not only on all the metro, it's good on the RER, the regional train that comes in from uh, Charles de Gaulle. That used to be a $15 ticket just for that round trip. And it's also good on the whole bus system. Buses yeah. and trams now, because they have a lot of those. Jim, all, it goes all the way to Versailles, too, for yep. the people that don't know. And I will... Just real quick on that, though, the the weekly pass does go Monday through Sunday. Right. So just keep that in mind. So it's not like it's a week. If you come in on a Wednesday, you don't get Wednesday to Wednesday. It is Monday through Wednesday to Sunday. So depending on when you show up, whether or not it makes sense, right? So yeah, right. if you come in on a Wednesday, it's good till Sunday. Exactly. Right. If you um, if you come in and there's not enough days, you just buy a packet of 10 metro yeah. tickets. Carnet. Carnet, yeah. You <laughs> save a little bit of money yeah. and, and still make it around. That he mentioned the Carnet. Last time I was thought I was that we were there for the Grape Harvest Festival last October, and that's on Montmartre. If you get a chance to we'll go, we'll talk about that in a second. Well, okay. Did someone say that they're out. They're outdating the Carnet. They're going to do in away two with years. That? Yes. In two years. Okay. Okay. So they're going away from the paper ticket. Yeah. Yes. It's so, just a little paper ticket that's about what? Well, the Carnet is long? a packet. Well, the packet. That's right. what the Carnet is, but it's a paper ticket. So they're going away from the paper ticket. Yes. So when they announced that, I didn't know that. Is that last year? Uh, no, a few that? months ago, they announced yeah. it. They're slowly getting away from that. I don't remember. So what are, gonna, what are they going to do in place of that? Do you know? Uh, They're go- more more like the uh, the London Pass, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, where you just okay. load it up. Even the DC Metro now, where you have a permanent yeah. card, you yeah. don't have the paper tickets yeah. anymore. Mm-hmm. Okay. Supposedly, the New York subway system is supposed to be moving towards that, too. Mm-hmm. But they've been saying that for about five years. Yeah, and I don't know how much detail we want to get into about transportation, but uh, you know the the buses, oh. uh, the, mm. the Navigo or all the passes work on the buses too. Yep, and it's so nice just hopping on a bus and going a few blocks and seeing some of the city. If you see something interesting, absolutely, you hop off. That's what we uh. Just what, let's just real quick, Terry, before you got here, I was just telling them. So not this past year, but the year before when we were at the great festival harvest festival we spent that day we went over was that the 10th arrondissement yeah which we hadn't been to at all and we were like hey we got our navigo passes let's just jump on a bus you get so used to using the metro system because it is like jim like you said it's so efficient you can get anywhere and everywhere so easily but you're underground most of the way you're like hey let's just jump on the bus and it, it was, again, probably like our fourth or fifth trip before I actually started using the bus. I enjoy the bus now. The bus is the awesome. It's just because yeah. you see everything. And, and, and Terry and I looked at each other and said, hey, 
if you see a place that you want to jump off and see, let's just jump off. And that's what we did. And then we ended up walking down the whole canal system. Yes. I mean, it was just wow. It, it, Your it, own little tour. It's it, We made our own tour out of it. Mm-hmm. And that's what I would say. I mean, the great thing about having the Navigo or any of the passes is that you can freely jump on and off and take any bus. We had no idea where we were going. Yeah. We kind of glanced at a, at, a, at a map and we're like, eh, we'll jump on that one. Well, we, we were walking back up to Montmartre from the middle of town. That's right. And it's a long walk. It is. It's all bus stop. <laughs> and we had no idea where we were going, but we could sit down on the bus and yeah. go on in the general direction. We are. And you're going uphill. Right. We're going uphill. We're so going north. We got that. So we're so, good. There's virtually only one hill. So we, we just stayed on the bus until it turned the direction we did not want to get. We got all yeah. the stuff. Right. Your first trip when you're there, I think it's really important to get on the bus and to see you know, there's some main bus lines that'll take you around. You get the lay, you get the yeah. lay of the land, sort of. But the bus is a little harder sometimes to find your way through the town. The, the maps at the kiosks for buses aren't as clear as the subway, I think, as the metro. Uh, you're, you're correct. And, and, there, and at each stop, there's so many different buses that actually right. show up, whereas when you're at a metro stop, it's it's going in one direction. And, of course, the key, so there's an app for that. You, know, you just go to ratp.fr, and you can download or get a link to download a, an app that'll you know, quickly take you around. I think probably Google does the same thing. Google Maps does a great job of that. But I will tell you, for anybody who thinks about a metro system being complicated, so I got a story that I'm going to throw myself a little bit under the bus. So when my oldest two boys were 16 and 13, I took them to the same trip that Terry did first time, Paris and London. And my 16-year-old, you know, if anybody, once you get to the RER and, and or – any of those stops where the RER comes through at rush hour, it gets a little chaotic. And my son being very polite was letting everybody in front of him, which was, you know, terrible. No, no, he got left. <laughs> so it's me and my 13 year old and my oldest son Bailey left and I'm yelling at him through the window. Hey, get off the next stop. Well, he hadn't done that. So long story short, I lost my son in Paris, oh, wow. <laughs> but the key thing is as soon as we got there, I mean, literally, when we went in and out, because we were in and out of the metro all the time, because we were staying right down uh, by Notre Dame, uh, literally right across the street from it, I showed them both how to look at the maps, you know, every entrance, the map, where it is, which direction you're going, and here's your home. This is yeah. where you got to get to. And, you know, once you have a ticket and you're underground, you can go wherever until you come up ground. And God bless him. I parked my son on one bar- park bench and ran back around to try to find him. Didn't, and this was a long time ago, so I didn't have great cell phone coverage. I had to go to McDonald's to end up getting coverage. <laughs> Next thing you know, he's texting me. He's outside of our apartment talking to our neighbor. Yeah, he got home. <laughs> got home, and he's like, "Well, Dad, I just went by the map you showed me." I'm like, "Oh my God, really?" <laughs> you mean, I was like, you, mean, "You heard me?" I'm like, "I'm not used to my 16 year old listening to me," but. It just proves the point. I mean, I would say get acclimated as soon as you get there as far as how the maps work and where you're going. Because even if you don't, if you lose your cell phone or you don't have cell phone coverage or whatever it may be, the maps are pretty awesome. I mean, they get you anywhere. And if you mess up, well, just get out, go around to the other side of the metro, go the opposite direction. Yeah. And and to his credit, you know, he was, we were over at the shops the other day and we were at Notre Dame. So he got all the way back. He had to take nice. three different stops mm. and jumped off, but he, he knew the map. Yeah, there's taxis everywhere. So you can, you can call an Uber. 
So he had one ticket. <laughs> he heard me, don't go upstairs. <laughs> but yeah, so, but as far as transportation goes, I mean, I think that's one of the things I love about the city. You can get anywhere, anytime, all the time, it seems like, very easily. Talking about uh, how to get to the city from Charles de Gaulle, uh, yeah, the, the Metro Pass, the yep. tickets, it's easy for an individual. If you have a group of three people or four people, you know, grab them, yeah. get a cab, get yeah. a cab or Uber, especially if you're a first timer with baggage. And who here doesn't have that? Yeah, well, yeah, that's true because if you, if you if, well, it depends. I will say this: our first trip up, so we were staying in a, a very small side street in Montmartre, and the poor cab driver. I remember that he drove around for twenty minutes. And if you've never been to Montmartre, the streets are very small. It's very old. He's wandering around, driving us up and down. We went past our apartment like six times before we finally end up finding it, but. But yeah, if you're if you got a group of four, it's probably going to be as inexpensive just to grab a cab for four of you than it is to grab four RER passes. But unless you're arriving at uh, rush hour, though, you know the one thing you got to keep in mind is the highway system, the Beltway there, the Parafique is doesn't move at all once you get uh, you know during those rush hours. True, that's true. And you might have a two-hour commute in, whereas the RER is always forty-five minutes. Forty-five minutes. Yep, 45 minutes. But yeah, that's a very good point, Jim. We got travel, or we got the transportation. One of the things I want to talk about is some of the, I would say, unique or not the commonplace things to see. We all know the Louvre. We all know the Eiffel Tower, that type of thing. One of my favorite things to visit, honestly, was the, uh, oh shoot, up in Montmartre, the museum. The Dolly. The Dolly Museum. The Dolly Museum. That's a good one. In Montmartre. That, I mean, if you're a Dolly fan, that that is just an absolute, it's just one of my favorite places. I've done it twice. And it's Um, tucked away and can be easily missed. You can walk by it a hundred times and Uh never know it's there. Never know it's there. It's relatively inexpensive. It is. And not very crowded every time I've been. Right. I've been there three times. It's never Other than Easter weekend. (laughs) Don't go there on Easter weekend. Just to be clear. (laughs) (laughs) But other than that, you're about two blocks off of the center of Montmartre, and it's just a fabulous little museum. It's just like one of, for me, it's like one of my favorite things. I'm a huge Dolly fan, so I love going there. And Jim, you introduced Shelly when you guys were there without me. I'm going to throw that in there. Without me. A couple of the small museums. I don't remember what Arondisment that was. Not too far, I don't think, from uh, Robert and Louis. Yeah. Okay, was it? The Victor Hugo House? Yes, Hugo House. She absolutely loved that and then took me there the last <laughs> time there. And I'll tell you, some of the small museums in Paris are just fantastic. Just fantastic. I mean, how intimate you can get with the, the work, right, versus the crowds that are just not existing because most people don't know about them. Just absolutely fantastic. Well, some of those small museums are actually people's homes Yep. at one huh. time. And it's set up just like it was back when they lived there, a hundred years ago. Yeah, and that's exactly what the Victor Hugo house is, and it's free. You know, how can you beat that? It's in the middle of the Marais. It's absolutely free. It's like four stories, set up the way it was when he lived there, right on the beautiful Place de Vosges, one of the oldest squares in Paris. That, to me, is what really makes Paris great, these out-of-the-way places that nobody expects. 
I totally agree. Totally agree. Eric, you've been there a couple times. What's one of your favorite things to Well, my, I mean, my favorite part of Paris is Montmartre. It's, it's become that. It wasn't that always, but ever since my last visit last year to the Great Harvest Festival, I'm like, I really like this part of Paris. It's quaint. It's simple. It's really easy to get around. It's on top of the hill. I don't have to. The only thing is, if you go down, you have to climb up the hill to get back up there. But hey. Yeah, can I tell you though? Yeah. Do you remember our second trip? Yeah. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> we get off at the stop down at the bottom of the hill. And of course, we're staying at the top of the hill. Halfway up, he's. I can't say it because we're trying to be somewhat PG 13. <laughs> The curse words that came out of his mouth halfway up. He's like, how many steps? Well, <laughs> well this, is, this is before I really realized how that there were several ways to get to this hill. And no matter where, how you got it, it was it took a lot to get up to that hill, man. Yeah. You didn't ride it. If you have the Navigo. You get in the vernacular. You go to the vernacular, and that yep. uh, you can take the vernacular up to the And that's what I've done ever since. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, so I'll get into that. So one of the unique things... We can touch on some other stuff, but I want to touch base on is we always talked about the Grape Harvest Festival. So there's there's one vineyard left in the city of Paris, and it's in Montmartre. And they still celebrate the Grape Harvest Festival, which is very similar to grape festivals here in the United States. Anyone. They're all about the fall. So that's when, you know, the crops come to, you know, up. When is it? In, it's the second October. weekend of October. There you go. Yeah. Every, every it's, year. it's in Montmartre. And it goes Thursday through Sunday. We thought it was Saturday. <laughs> then we realized it was Sunday when we tried to walk through there. And there's <laughs> two billion people. <laughs> but it is, if you like food and you like wine, it is a must see. If you like cheese, if you like meat... <laughs> if yes. you like wine, it's the best wine festival <laughs> I, I get. It is. So, anybody who wants to check it out, you need to go and, and look at a map and look at Montmartre and look at the little winding street that goes in front of the Basilica. And then imagine the entire street being lined with food and wine vendors. Yeah. All the way down to the vernacular, right? These little white tents. Both sides of the street. Yeah. And so my recommendation, this is one of the things that we learned, is it starts Thursday morning. At least that's what it did. It may change. I'm just saying it. It starts Thursday. goes through Sunday. The gates open at 11 a.m. 11 a.m. And if you're there at 11 a.m. on Thursday, they love you. Mm-hmm. You, If you like attention, you'll get attention. Because there was nobody. Terry and I walked. Every place we stopped, I mean, we got educated on everything that they had. Right, I mean the sommelier at that first, literally right. We get off the vernacular because <laughs> we were staying about. I mean, let's be clear, we were a little bit lazy because we had to pass. I mean, we're only like what two blocks down from our apartment. The, the apartment. <laughs> we could easily walked up, and it was like, eh, let's jump on the vernacular. And we get up there, and they had that wine bus, whatever you want to call that thing, spectacular. I mean, the whole collection. <laughs> you said, "What do you want to drink? What do you like?" Like Portugal had, they were the guest. Greece had one. Uh, so they do a guest. They do a yeah. guest every time, every year. They have oh. a special guest so at the top. Uh, usually at the top is when they have that special couple tents. But then there's a little mixture, right? And, and there's champagne and there's beer vendors, but mostly wine. 
and it was just a fantastic festival. I've been there four times at least. So I remember wine, cheese, potatoes, and bread, and lots and lots of other things. It's sausages. Uh, well, I would tell you my favorite sandwich ever. Oh my god, came from that festival. I mean, Terry and I went through there and we shared one, and I came back and I had to get another one. I mean, it was melted Gruyere. It's uh, mm. it's actually the Rock. It starts Rock with R. Rockford. Is Rock, it Roquefort? Ro- no, no, that's no, it's not cheese, blue. It's, not it's blue. a Rockland Rockford. I have to look it up. The sandwich yeah. starts with an R. It's a yes, but it's the melted cheese where they put it under a heat lamp Roquefort. and they just scrape it off with a knife and spread it onto your a French uh, baguette. French baguette, and you can literally put a shoe underneath of that. It would taste bad. <laughs> Roquefort. Yeah, that's it. There it is. Thank you, Roquefort. I was thinking Rocker, but Rocklet, yeah, it is awesome. It's the best. Rocklet, right? Rocklet, yeah. Rocklet, best cheese. Ever Say that one more time, Jim. Rocklet. That's the name of the sandwich. Oh, okay, okay. But I, I don't know if you thought this up, but hey, let's put this big wheel cheese under a heat lamp, <laughs> scrape off, <laughs> melt it, and throw it on on a sandwich. Oh, but again, French baguette. <laughs> spectacular cheese again you can put anything in there and it's going to taste great yeah uh, when i was there last year in october we uh, the i stayed with john bonbright in a little apartment that was i mean it was right it was 25 steps from the entrance right there to the festival so every morning we walked out we could just walk right there it was really nice and really convenient and we really I, we really enjoyed it uh, it was a good spot to stay for that festival because we were on the hill already so if you're going to go for that festival i recommend stay up on the hill if you're yeah, old it's and one of those things that, like we are like terry like, mentioned, <laughs> like terry mentioned earlier i mean if you have any aspirations of ever coming back don't try to squeeze everything in right if you stay up in montmartre i mean you can easily get down to the city and you know visit every place but you're gonna spend a lot of time in and out of the metro mm. and there's so many things to see there so pick an area we've stayed the marai which was one of the great trips we i think we've had when we stayed in the marai area uh, we had a we had an apartment right across the street from each other yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that last stage is a few doors down that yeah so we had a great experience there and and it, and shelly loved that's her favorite place she loved that area. I mean, the shops and just the variations of food and how easy it is to, you're very centrally located to a lot of things. Well, Jim and I, we stayed in the night in March uh, near the opera. And we weren't real high on the area at first, uh, yeah, just by the eye test. Yeah. Uh, but after the first day, it was, it, it's just like any other. Uh, yeah. Paris. It's a great place. You're going to find your little uh, hole-in-the-wall cafe you go to every morning. The same restaurant we went to, okay, like two or three nights. And, yeah, we felt like a local by three days in. And it forced us to go see things that we haven't seen, you know, after a dozen right. trips. Like the uh, the Opera House. Never been there, but since it's, what, you know, 15 minutes away, it's like, oh, well, guess we have to go see this. And it turns out highlight one of the highlights of the trip. Has anybody here stayed in the Latin Quarter? Yes. I've never stayed. Yeah, yeah. Yes. How do you recommend that to it's, people? Out it's there? awesome. I mean, yeah. as far as food and yeah. oh my god, right to this day. And the Latin the Quarter best. is right across and falafels is in the Latin Quarter. <laughs> the what? I'm sorry. Oh, uh, euros and falafels. Right. 
I'm going to tell you, I can tell you which block I can take you to the spot. <laughs> and they are to die for. And the, Latin, the best crepes. Just honestly. let them know out there. The Latin Quarter is kind of right across the, the explain it, Jim, the street from Notre Dame and all right that. Across the right, yeah, yeah. right across the Seine. Right across the Seine, right? Yeah, right there along the river. It's the area that goes right around the Sorbonne, the university there that, yeah, people have been studying there for a thousand years. So that's why it's the Latin Quarter. The students spoke Latin when they came into the bars and the restaurants down closer to the river. Probably a pretty good section. I've never stayed there, but probably a pretty good section. Oh, stay that was the food. Is always something going on. It's good, and you're right there by everything. The food is spectacular. Absolutely. Yeah. The and first you're on the first time I went, Terry set us, set us up. It was 2007, and he had us there at the Latin Quarter, and mm-hmm. it was real near some kebab place. And, and uh, yeah, the food and yeah. everything, the atmosphere was fantastic. And, and, and you can sit on the steps and, and catch the little cars that go by from midnight in Paris that would take you back in mm-hmm. time. Oh, uh, <laughs> they do that now. No, I just watched that movie the other day, so that's uh, that's the first time you've seen it. No, 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 it's not oh. the first time I saw it. I just it happened to be on the other day, and I watched. You know, I've been to those steps with uh, in the we movie. got pictures. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, it's uh, yeah. So, I, and it's one of those things. I'll be honest, Jim. You know, when we first went over and we were Latin Quarter, I, I had no. What I, is that? I didn't equate that to the Latin language. Right. 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 I just. You're thinking Hispanic. <laughs> I, I just I had no idea. I didn't know what the quarter was. I didn't think about the whole fact of education, and it's been a thousand years, and you know, the university well, there. And well, you know the the Latin term. You know, it goes back even farther than that. The Romans uh, were the ones who really, uh, you know, settled a lot of Paris as it's laid out today. You asked at the beginning of this podcast how it got its shape. Mm. You know, it's sort of a circular uh, organization there. You know, original tribe right down the river at first, but then it was the Romans who came in and built the walls all the way around, made it a walled fortress, as, uh, you know, they did with so many of their places. And, uh, you know, a lot of those roads, you know, were originally Roman roads. And, you know, here a couple thousand years later, they still mark the spot. Crazy. Well, you know, we were talking about small museums and, and places you don't think of right away. Going back with what Jim just said, the Clooney oh, is yeah. right there in the Latin yeah. Quarter, and yeah. you know, the Roman baths were right were there. What is uh, the Clooney? Uh, the Clooney uh, Museum? That's a, yeah. it's, I don't remember that. Uh, Museum not, of the Middle Ages. Yeah, Middle Ages. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, we never took you there. I yeah, know. no, I don't. Yeah, I, the name it's sounds fabulous. weird, but I don't remember. Fantastic stained glass in there. Wow, it yeah. is some of the best stained glass and, ever. And uh, the lady and the unicorn tapestries. Yep. Yeah. There's also a Roman arena, a little tiny one that, you know, I don't, very few tourists go to. That's only maybe about a 15 minute walk from the Clooney there. Uh, mm. Just a, a very small arena, and they place, you know, you see kids playing soccer and the old people playing petanque, the old men and stuff in there. But, uh, you know, they found it and they built it back up, I, I think about 20 years ago, 20, 30 years ago. And, uh, you know, it's just cool because you don't see that. You don't realize how many layers of history there are in a city like Paris. I saw that the first three days Jimmy took me. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Jimmy. So, having layers of your foot came <laughs> You took me a run ragged, so it was on the second trip over. Just uh, Shelly, me, and Eric. Mm-hmm. And for you guys who know the geography of it, we end up going, we got off the metro <laughs> at the Louvre. We walked down the Seine, 
to the Eiffel Tower. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a beautiful walk. Oh, but it's it's, it's ours. Yeah, and <laughs> we stopped multiple times, which is great because you know cafes. But let's just say a long. I remember walk. Eric going. Should we catch a cab? <laughs> what? <laughs> like, we're just gonna stop and Do have. Do we have a plan? If you're tired, I was like, no, we're just gonna walk. We're gonna go check out the sightseeing. And but that's when we found the spot that you know a lot of people know about now. But across the sin from the Eiffel, up on top of the steps there, yeah. which is gorgeous. I don't know what that's called. That little plaza area that's <laughs> spectacular view across the river. Well, when Eric so, was with me during the Great Festival, we walked from Montmartre to Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. Of course, that's all. walked? Yeah. It's a nice day. It, it's a it, nice what, day. We did. So what, did you start in the morning? And then there, <laughs> well, yeah, we stopped. We, we stopped a few places. <laughs> yeah, we did. We stopped. We had beers. We had but drinks. But you walked so from Montmartre to Notre Dame. That's a great... I love walking yeah. Paris. I could put now yeah. eight to ten miles it every was, day. Walking. That's a haul. just you and me. Who was with us? Bob Wright and Lee. Right. That's a haul. But, yeah, but we spent. <laughs> but it's like it's like we say it was, it was like getting oh well not kind of in a sort of kind of way getting lost. We weren't really lost. Yeah. We just general direction. Yeah, getting yeah. Well, yeah. Paris is made for walking. Right. It is. If there's yes. any city in the world you want to walk, that's it's Paris. Right. And, and you know, so to give you how much I think Paris is fantastic. So again, going back to the 16 year old to 13 year old when they said, "Hey, I want to go to Europe with you, Dad." I'm like, "All right." Where do you want to go? <laughs> London. Well, speak, they speak the language. I'm like, okay. And Paris. Okay. Easy trip. Let's do Paris and London. And both of them were convinced we're going to love London more than Paris. <laughs> Guess what? Came back to this day. Paris. Hands down. Just not even close to them. They just yeah. absolutely loved it. Well, they absolutely loved it. To the point... And just expand on it, uh, we were just talking about today. So next year, turn 50, I'm spending an entire month, not in Paris, but in France. So kids are coming over. As soon as I mentioned it to them, they were like both. I was like, you can go a week, you can do two weeks, you can do an entire month, whatever you want to do. They're like, oh, we're there the whole month. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Of course. And I think it's your mindset, too, when you go over. One thing I tell people for the first time, say, look. You're going to be waiting when you go to a restaurant for 20 minutes before you get acknowledged. Now, it might take you another 20 minutes to get your food. you got to ask for the check. Uh, and be ready to spend two hours. Yeah, but that's how they do it in Paris. Over here, people would be chopping out the bit yeah. and well, having a terrible time. you got to take a few steps back. We you talked about that. And a few not octaves down. So one of the one of the – Again, experiences that stand out in my mind with that whole situation. It was you, Eric, mm. and Shelly, and I setting up in our little favorite place up at Montmartre, around the corner, the little blue with the you know the blue right there on the square. All right. And we're sitting inside having lunch, and there was a table of other Americans, and we were hearing the conversation, but at the same point. When it, he came back after we had our lunch, and we said we wanted dessert and coffee, and he goes, whoa, 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 slow down. Slow down. <laughs> slow down. <laughs> you don't need both right yeah. now. <laughs> yeah. We're like, oh, you're right. You're oh, so right. We don't. We've only been here two hours, but okay, sure. <laughs> but it was just kind of funny, and then listening to the table across from us, and them being annoyed, we're like, we don't care. We don't have any place to go. We still have a bottle of wine here. <laughs> so... Yes, that is dead on. It is 
a slower pace, which is one of the reasons I love it. I mean, you can go, you're never rushed out of a place. You can well, and relax as long as you want to relax. You're rushed out of the subways. Well, I'm talking about eating and drinking. I know, I'm just teasing. Yeah, eating and drinking, you can just hang out as long as you want. They're not trying to turn on the table. No. Right, and that's the different mindset. You know, over here, they are, they want to turn the table over and get another. Over there, they're, the servers are paid differently, so they're not worried about they don't worry about tips like they do over here. Well, so, and they they consider it rude to rush somebody. To rush exactly, so, yeah. yeah. So we're over here, it's the norm. Yeah, right. Yeah, but it, it's the the lifestyle though. As far as the cafe, I for me, it's one of my favorite things to do. That's my happy spot. I right. There is nothing better than like you said, walking. I don't care where I'm walking. Just walk, yeah. and this block I may stop and have a cappuccino. The next block, I may stop and have wine. I have to mention one of my favorite places of all, and we can talk about it real quick. Uh, we've got a little bit of time. Luxembourg Gardens. We talk about wine. Doing that. Enjoying yourself? Huh? Doing that. Oh, my God. What a great place to really enjoy yourself. And, and they have uh, – uh, you don't get this in the States. They have lounge chairs in a park by a fountain. And the lounge chair is there for a reason. And we walk in there, and there's people sleeping on it. You were sleeping. Yeah, yeah. you don't see that I in the States. You, you just don't see that. Not that it's a bad <laughs> Not the homeless sleeping. No, not the homeless sleeping. No, people just relaxing, enjoying yeah. themselves, and taking a, uh, a a little nap. Or, you know, yeah. and I, I I did it myself, too. Of course, I was on vacation. But it was I really enjoy Luxembourg it is a Gardens. It's, that's a, uh, for me, that's a must-stop for you out I, there. I can sit and watch the kids on the, the little pond there when they have the boats, right. and just the sticks, and they have to go around and push the, the these little sailboats with their sticks, and they race them and everything. And, you know, it's so different than sitting there head to head with Game Boys playing. It's it, it is relaxed. It's a different different world. Hey Jim, you, you mentioned the kids at Luxembourg. Uh, yeah. This was a trip, Jim, uh, Jim Scott, when we met you guys in Paris. Yank and I got there the day before you go. Right. And uh, we could not check into our apartment until noon. And we uh, took the overnight train from Munich. So, yeah, we got to Paris around 7, 8 o'clock in the morning. We had time to kill. So what do you do? You, you get a bottle of wine <laughs> and you go to a park and drink it. <laughs> and uh, so we're there. Like, so this is only my, I think, my third time in Paris. I wasn't real sure what the rules were. Oh, you're, you're rookie. I, yeah. <laughs> so we were passing this bottle of wine back and forth to each other in a brown bag. <laughs> and then from out of nowhere, <laughs> these 30 little kids <laughs> came all around us <laughs> carrying their McDonald's Happy Meals and sat down on the, on the, on the yard in front of us. And, and then hey, you said, are you going to eat those nuggets? <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, and Yank and I were sitting on the bench passing a bottle of wine. <laughs> and here they are eating and, the Happy Meals. You just don't see that nope. every year. You'd be surprised and you can have some of this wine, kid. <laughs> so, you know, it's funny, though. You know, we talk about that. So one of the great things that we just don't see here in the States and I think it's still allowed on the steps in front of the Basilica in Montmartre. Uh, for, yeah, I'll just, here, yeah. It is the largest or the only real hill in Paris that overlooks the city. And those steps, there's a little, you know, level landing about halfway down, right? Mm -hmm. Where 
random musicians will show up, they play, and people sit on the steps and they do a random picnic, right? You bring your bottles of wine, you bring your... I know they've been trying to cut down on that. It's, it's, a, it's not as charming as it used to be. It's to- much more touristy now. Uh, well, 10 years ago. Yeah, 10 years it ago. It was very charming. awesome. Now and the guy you, running around selling bottles of Heineken. Yep. Now you, they smell urine off to the side, side. with stuff when the wind changes because of all the people, all the people. going off to the side and uh, doing their business. Well, I will say one of the kind of cool spot or cool moments, though, was two years ago when you and I went back and we were there for the Harvest Festival. So from 10 years ago, or eight years, whatever it was, so Eric here was we were there sitting on the steps drinking our bottles of wine eating cheese and you know our three euro bottle of french wine that we picked up at the <laughs> marche right <laughs> again we talk about it all the time somebody starts playing country roads and eric takes his bottle of wine of course we had no glasses he takes his full bottle of wine down to this french guy singing country roads drinking out of the bottle Right? In front of a crowd. In front of a huge crowd. <laughs> so this is awesome. We have it captured on film, thinking we're never going to go back to Paris. And then, that lo and behold, that was 10 years ago. Lo, lo and behold, last year, Terry and I are at Great Harvest Festival. And we go to the same steps, which we always do. And we're sitting there, and all of a sudden, this guy comes up. And we're like, dude, that's the guy. That's the musician. It's like, that's the same musician. <laughs> so we go and introduce ourselves, and I showed him pictures. In the from video, from, the video. from you, right? I found, I found he goes, oh my God, that's me. I'm like, well, yes. <laughs> so we have these great pictures of, of us with this guy from like 10 years ago. It was just, so it was needless just hilarious. to say, uh, Country Roads broke out again? No, no it did not. Not that time. It did not. Okay. You were there. I wasn't there, of course. And Terry and I, you know, we're not going to say that. Well, for those, again, a 30,000-foot view, for those of you going to Paris, if you get a chance – Go up to Montmartre and go to Sacré-Cœur, stand on the steps, and just look, overlook Paris because it's probably the best hill to view the entire city. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. It really is. And, and you can get up – if you get up there, you can spend time up there if you want. We recommend that you do. You don't have to, but it's really a good place to overlook the entire city. And you can see the Eiffel Tower in the distance and all the all the iconic places. It's really, it's really cool. It's my favorite place in Paris at night. There you go. When everybody during, leaves. <laughs> during the daytime, I, even if I'm staying there, I hate it during it's the daytime. It's just, it, it is crap. Because yeah. you cannot walk in certain parts because right. of the crowds. But when the sun goes down, and it's kind of like Venice. You know, at, at night, everybody goes back on the cruise ship or they go back to the shore. Venice is cool. I will say this, though. If you're, it's just like every place. There's like the four blocks right there at the top by the Basilica mm-hmm. that's really, really crowded. But where we stayed, you get another block or two outside of that. Yeah. So we go back and hang out like we did, you know, and yeah, every night it's a eat great cheese street. and yeah. eat baguettes and drink French wine and wait for everybody to leave. And then we go back up into and hit the, the, the cafes yeah. and restaurants. You it's said awesome. sun, sunset, but also sunrise is a good time. Last year, I can remember I got up early, Grape Harvest Festival we were there for, and I got up early and I decided to walk to the front of the steps and – it was the sun wasn't even up. Watch the sun come up. So it's a really good picture. Mm-hmm. Highly recommend it. Either sunrise or sunset. Well, either one. So, well, the whole point of this episode was really just kind of just scratch the surface of Paris. 
Don't ask me how it took 20 episodes <laughs> to even talk about it. But we're there. it's there. And um, we know Always there. we're going to have a bunch of other episodes, I think, to drill into some of the specific parts about Paris that we love. Um, you know, give some more travel advice specifically on that. We just want to kind of touch on, you know, why we love Paris. So I appreciate everybody for listening. And again, thanks everybody for participating and going to give a shout out again. Have to give out to, you know, e-bags. We were just talking about before we got on. What a fabulous suitcase. <laughs> Eric was talking about the whole concept of when you're traveling, the power. The fact that it has charge. a charge. It is one of the lightest bags in the world, and it has a charge that will charge your phone like five times over. And it comes with a charging station for it at any place you are in the world. Away city. Oh, I'm sorry. I said e-bags. I'm sorry. I meant away bags. I'm bad. <laughs> it, <laughs> it, happens. it happens. But and away bags. Sorry. E-bags. E-bags. I have an e-bag too. Yeah. Um, but away bags. Insert e-bag. E-bags is my backpack, but away bags are. Edit, insert yeah. away bag. <laughs> They're both awesome. Yes. But yes, uh, away bags. Uh, we have people who are using them. They're great. So we appreciate them for being affiliates. So again. Please check us out on Instagram, Facebook, and, of course, on podcasts. Anywhere you subscribe, please like, share, and subscribe. And Twitter. And Twitter. Thank you. So, again, thanks, everybody, and we'll see you next week. Bonjour. Au revoir. Au revoir. Cool. Ciao. Be sure to join the friends next week with another great podcast. And don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already. You can also find the Friends and other content on www.friendsthatcarryon.com or check us out on Twitter, Instagram or Facebook by searching Friends That Carry On. Thanks again for joining us. And don't forget to carry on, friends.